All right. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I hope you realize what a great team you got here. So they did that. They did that. So, hey, we started a new series, The Dark Side uh, of Christmas. And uh, uh, no, we're not going to be doing a full-blown Star Wars uh, kind of deal. Uh, but, you know, Star Wars is a big deal in our culture. Uh, and uh, what, episode, uh, The Return of the Jedi, or The Last Jedi, that the one? Last Jedi comes out December 15th. How many folks have tickets already? Fair number in the back, okay. How many, anybody have a ticket for the first showing, for the first viewing? No. Do I see one? No. Okay, but you're going to be there. Anyway, big culture thing. Uh, but for us here at Christ Church, uh, it's a real opportunity to talk about something more significant than Star Wars. And that is uh, one of the themes that really is not only in Star Wars, but it is a theme that is embedded in Christmas itself. And that's that theme, that challenge of darkness uh, versus uh, light. Now, in Star Wars, the darkness is uh, represented by some pretty significant uh, characters like those guys uh, up there. I think that is an incredibly cool picture, by the way, isn't it? Uh, yep, uh, I found that. I like it. Anyway, um, uh, but in Star Wars, you know, there's this theme of, of oppressive, uh, oppressive darkness, right? I mean, there is the Empire... Uh, and the empire just puts its, uh, its uh, authority over everything. It rules by fear. It is oppressive. It is that, that dark force loose uh, in the universe. Well, for we Christ followers, that is not a new theme, right? That is not a new reality for us. The understanding that there is uh, a darkness that is loose uh, in creation itself. Right? And that that darkness can be oppressive uh, and overwhelming. If you go back to the people of Israel, we can go back to the Old Testament and see that, that they knew that experience of that oppression uh, of darkness. Right? They, they were in slavery in, uh, in Egypt, pretty oppressive stuff. They're in slavery in Egypt. God rescues them, their freedom. They get to the promised land. But then they, they fail to be faithful. And as a consequence to that failure, once again, oppression and darkness comes on the land of Israel, right? And so the Babylonians come in, and there's the Babylonian exile. Jerusalem falls. After the Babylonians, the Persians take over. A little, little bit of reprieve there, but still they're under Persian rule and dominance. Finally, the Greeks come along, uh, and the Greeks step in, and they try to wipe out uh, uh, the Jewish people in terms of their identity and try to Hellenize uh, everyone, right? And then ultimately there's a revolt called the Maccabean Revolt. Again, some kind of a little reprieve, but very short-lived. And once again, they're under oppression by the Romans. And the Romans come in, and the Romans just rule not only with an iron fist, but with an iron boot, right? And so we can see in the history of Israel that that force of darkness that is continuing to oppress God's people. Now, it would be easy for us today to look at that and say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. That's the way it is in the Old Testament. And, you know, we're in a new day. But you know what? That oppression of the darkness is still there against God's people, right? Uh, today, in our culture, around the world, there is an oppression still loose that is, uh, that is trying to oppress God's people, right? And so you can see here, from 2005 to 2015, 900,000 Christians have been martyred. That's 90,000 Christians a year 
have been uh, martyred. The darkness is working very hard to oppress God's people, right? Uh, give you an example. If you uh, go with me to uh, uh, Israel, uh, we'll go down to uh, Bethlehem. Heard of Bethlehem, right? Uh, you're going to hear a lot about Bethlehem. It's Christmas time. We're going to talk about it today, right? You're going to hear about Bethlehem. Uh, well, back in the 1950s, uh, 86% of the population of the city of Bethlehem uh, were Christians. 86% back in the 1950s. Population of Christians in that town uh, was 86%, right? Today, 2016, uh, that population is down to 12%. 12% of the population is now Christian. About 11,000 Christians are in Bethlehem. Does that surprise you? I mean, after all, it's Bethlehem. The darkness is still oppressing God's people. You know that to be true just from your own life, right? If, if not in a, on a cultural level, if not on a, on a kind of political level of oppression of Christians, of God's people, certainly we know the darkness is at work in trying to find its way in oppressing us in our own individual lives, right? There is this reality that we all will go through periods and experiences of that oppression of darkness. Even the great Apostle Paul, right? Great Apostle Paul, writer of most of the New Testament, and, you know, founded how many different churches? I mean, the great Apostle Paul. And then if you look at his words in 2 Corinthians, he is in a very dark place in his life because oppression is on him. It says, we don't want you to to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles. He's having trouble. About the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself do you sense that he is in a dark place do you sense that that this this oppression of darkness has taken hold of him in his frustration and inability to accomplish what he wants that's true for all of us, isn't it? I mean, the reality is in your own life. Some of you right now in your own life, you've got some darkness working in your own life. Some darkness that has found a foothold. Some darkness that is oppressing you in some way, right? Maybe, maybe it's a darkness because your, your, your relationship of some sort is falling apart or it's strained, difficult in some way. Maybe it's just a darkness because every time you go to work, there's always comments and snide comments made about you or about your faith. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because you're still struggling with radical generosity and you can't let go of possessions and money and put Christ first. There's all kinds of ways. Maybe it's a temptation or a sin that you know is just contrary to what God wants you to be about in your life and you're still doing it and you're still holding on to it. Darkness comes and oppresses us in all kinds of forms. The challenge for us is, what do we do in the darkness? Because the darkness will come. So what do we do when the darkness, when the empire is pressing upon us? We get a promise and a way to respond from the prophet Micah. Micah was a prophet in that period where Israel was about to fall. And at the end of his prophecy, at the end of his book, 
he makes a promise to Israel and a promise to each one of us. And his promise is simple. A rebellion will happen. A rebellion will take place. Right? So you go to the whole Star Wars thing, and there's the oppression of the empire, and what happens in response to the oppression of the empire, but a rebellion, right? And there's all kinds of cast of characters involved uh, in that particular rebellion, right? Who's your favorite rebellion character, by the way? Shout it out. Nobody has a favorite rebellion character. No, Han Solo! A female voice, I would point out. Yeah, Han Solo on that one, huh? Nobody shouted out, R2-D2! No, Han Solo. Okay. Or the guy in gold. That'd be cool. Anyway, right? But, I mean, cast the different characters, right? In, in that rebellion. Micah, Micah points us and anyone who's in darkness, not to a cast of characters, but he points us to one person. One person is our hope, and one person is the rebellion. It's Micah 5.2. This is the promise, the whole thing, and we'll unpack it. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ethratha, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until a woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength and the majesty of his name of the Lord his God. Then his, peop- then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. So let's unpack the promise, okay? The promise of Micah. First thing I hope you notice is when it comes to when you're in the darkness, you need to understand that God's attitude is one that understands every detail and cares about every detail of your darkness. So often we get in the darkness and, and we begin, especially if we're, we're a person of faith, right, a Christ follower, it's easy for us to begin doubting, right? It's, it's easier for us to be questioning and wondering and start asking, you know, does, it, does God even care? Does God even know? Does God even understand what I'm going through. And Micah says to us right away that there is absolutely nothing that's going to happen in our lives and nothing that happens when we're in darkness that is insignificant to God. And there is no person that is insignificant to God. It shows up right away when he says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, stop there, But you, when you go back into the Hebrew, there's a grammatical thing going on there that kind of pulls that out, right? And and it makes it kind of a, a contrast statement, right? And what he's doing here is he's contrasting Bethlehem with Jerusalem because that's where he's speaking from and that's the place that's going to fall, right? And so from Jerusalem, this the holy city of Jerusalem, the capital, right? From Jerusalem, he's saying, wait a minute, there's somewhere else. But you, Bethlehem, Ethratha. Ethratha is the district. It's kind of the region, right? It's from, uh, it's just kind of the area, right? He wants to make sure you get the right Bethlehem, right? But you, Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem. What is significant about Bethlehem? I mean, for us now, Christmas, sure, but then, I mean, what would be significant about Bethlehem? I mean, if you look at it, he even says, you're only a small village 
among the people of Judah. That's the Bible of, Bible's way of saying Bethlehem was a blink and miss it. Right? You know what a blink and miss it is, right? Travel through, you blink, you miss it, right? Bethlehem was a blink and, blink and miss it. The, the whole point of his, his, but you, O Bethlehem, is for us to understand that Bethlehem in and of itself has no significance. It is an insignificant place. It is not the place that you would anticipate a rebellion to begin. It is not the place that you would anticipate God to be doing anything. It is an insignificant place. And yet it's exactly there that the rebellion begins. See, this is the wisdom of God that we don't always understand, especially when we're in the middle of darkness. We begin to question and wonder, does he care? Does he know? Does he understand? And Micah responds saying, absolutely, just look at Bethlehem. Absolutely, just look at Bethlehem. The prophet Jeremiah says, that's right, and it means that I am watching, and I will certainly carry out all of my plans. That's the Lord speaking, right? I love in that phrase that he says, I am watching. Because we're in the darkness, we often wonder, not only does he care, but is he even, even aware of what's going on? And Christmas says, absolutely. Absolutely. No one is insignificant. No experience you're going through is insignificant. And it may seem like you don't understand. It may seem like it doesn't make any sense. But that is precisely the place that God works. The Apostle Paul affirms that. He says, God chooses the things of this world that, that are considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And, and he chooses things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And he chooses the things that are despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. you get what he's saying in all that? In, in the insignificant, most unexpected place and way, God has the tendency, the opportunity, and the likelihood to work. Even in the darkness. The place you would think He would be absent. The place you would think He would be powerless is the very place He is powerful. How do we know that? Because God is not scared of the dark. I won't ask how many people are scared of the dark, but, right? I can tell you this, he's not scared of the dark. I threw this picture up there for you. You ever wonder when you're watching the Star Wars, you know, when Darth Vader's doing his thing? What are the stormtroopers thinking? You know, you remember the scene where he, 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 he goes like this, and, the, and the, the, the guy that disappointed him is going... <laughs> remember that scene? I don't know if I did that well, but you get the picture, right? All right yeah, and he's just like... Do you ever wonder what the folks around are going, uh, hope he doesn't look at me, <laughs> right? Yeah, but they're in fear that God is not afraid of the dark. That is so significant to us. God is not afraid of whatever darkness is in your life. He is not afraid to take on whatever darkness is discouraging you right now. God is not afraid of the dark. He will not step back and go, ooh. He will step in. He will run toward. 
It is in the darkness that He works. It is in the place that we think He should be absent. It's in that very place that He is powerful. He is not scared of the dark. Micah, Micah says, the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies. We're going to have darkness until, what happens? Until the rebellion begins. Until the woman in labor gives birth. What does God do? Not only is he not afraid of the dark, in Christmas, God steps into the dark. It's not simply he's not afraid of it. In Christmas, this is what it's about. He steps physically and literally into the dark. He steps into the void. He steps into the fear. He steps into the anxiety. He steps into the despair. He steps in. He is not only not afraid of the dark, it's in the dark where he chooses to work. If you look at Paul again, Paul again, you know, remember when he was talking about how he was in such despair. This same guy would write in Romans and say, we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So there's going to be darkness, it's going to be painful, right? It's going to be difficult. And we believers also groan. It's going to happen in our lives too, right? There's no, you know, pass go on this one, right? We believers, we're also going to groan. Look what he says. Even though, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. When you're in the dark, who has already stepped into the dark, not only with you, but in you? He is not only not afraid of the dark, he steps into the dark. And because he's in the dark, because he steps into the dark, because he is with us, we have hope and we have strength. It's in those places when darkness seems to take hold of us. It's in those places of struggle that we have difficulty in giving up. It's in those places that God not only is, but it's where He works. And all we have to do is focus on Him. You know, we uh, gave up our offices here at uh, Christ Church because we love kids more than we do offices. So we got the treehouse going up there, uh, which means my office now is in my basement, right? And so periodically what happens is, you know, I'll go downstairs, I'll go back in the back corner in my office there and close the door. And when I go down, it's light out. And by the time I get out, it's dark out, Uh, which means I am now over in the far corner of my basement uh, and the stairwell is on the other corner of the basement. And guess what's in between? A lot of dark space with stuff. And that stuff can hurt you if you bump into it in the dark. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there, right? You've been in that experience, right? You know, all I need to go from my office, once I turn that light out, To get to the stairwell, all I need is to focus on one small speck of light because I have a switch that has a little light behind the switch. You know the switches, 
right? They got the little light. I mean, it's not a bright light. It's kind of, you know, but all I need is what? All I need is to focus on that little light. And I can get through the darkness and get to the stairwell. This is what Micah is saying to us. A rebellion has begun. And that rebellion began when Jesus stepped into our world, when he stepped into our darkness. And all we have to do is focus on him. In the darkness, all we have to do is focus on him. You see, it inevitably happens that when I'm trying to go from my office to that stairwell, if I stop looking at that little speck of light I wander and I bump into something and there's another broken toe, right? But if I stay focused on that one spot, I know I will get there. That's the promise that Micah gives us. Micah says, and he will. Who will? The answer is he will. Thank you. He will. He will stand to lead his flock Within the, with the Lord's strength, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, then his people will live there undisturbed. And he will be highly honored around the world. Who's doing the stuff? He will. He will. You see, we get into trouble when we somehow in the darkness think it's all about us. When it, we get in the darkness, we think it's all about the remedies that we got to come up with, the solutions we got to come up with, the, the, the stuff that we got to do in the darkness. And that's not the case at all. It's Christmas. It's about Jesus stepping into our darkness. And it's in that darkness He's not afraid and He works. And all we have to do is focus on Him. Just focus on Him. He will fight the battles. He will accomplish the victory. He will lead us forward. And He will take us through the darkness. All we have to do is focus on Him. The Apostle Paul understood it. He had his own darknesses, right? He understood it. Remember in Corinthians, we just looked in the beginning about how he was in that, in that period of despair, right, and struggle. These are the verses that follow that, that statement of despair. He says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on that little speck of light. That we might not rely on our own wisdom and our own understanding. We might not rely on our own solutions and our our own ingenuity. That we might not rely on whatever you want to put in there. He says, no, that we might not rely on ourselves but rely on God. And how do we know we can rely on Him? Not only did he step into the darkness, but he already beat the darkness when he called Jesus from a tomb and raised him to life. That's what Paul says. Who raised the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. The rebellion... The rebellion is captured in one person. The rebellion is captured on Jesus who steps into our darkness, who's not afraid of anything in that dark, 
And he is the one who will accomplish the victory. And our response in the dark is to do what? Just focus and hope on him. Focus and hope on him. That's what the psalmist leads us to. The psalmist says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Listen, if you're in the darkness right now, if you're feeling oppressed by a darkness that's come over your life, the answer is simple. God is already in your darkness. He is already there. He has stepped into that darkness in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And He is not afraid of what you're going through. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. And He will be your hope and He will be your strength. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for Your goodness. Thanks for Your uh, willingness to... uh, be with us in all the struggles and the darkness. And, uh, Lord, we know it doesn't make sense, but uh, our only hope is for you to fight the battle and for us to not rely on ourselves. And so, Lord, today we're going to pray for uh, folks, especially anybody in this room today that's struggling with something that seems so difficult and uh, is that oppression of darkness. We pray this morning that Uh, you would just step into their life in a powerful way and that uh, you would empty them uh, of themselves and instead fill them up with your presence, help them to focus uh, just on Jesus, for he is our hope. He is the rebellion. And Lord, we pray that you would work in uh, such a powerful way that the darkness would be dispelled. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's what we rejoice in. Uh, knowing that you are greater than anything else in this world. So encourage us and strengthen us with this word and this truth we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.